2: Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny, and I'm joined by Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman tonight to reflect on Crystal Palace nil, Liverpool nil in the Premier League from Crystal Palace's place. And Dave, it was possibly one of the worst games of football I, I think I may have seen ever. I know guys already uh opined as such but it was also a game in which the main takeaway for me was how little our lads seem to give a shit and that is the most egregious of all things when it comes to your football team you can you can put up with them being awful if they're trying hard you can put up with uh various other sort of shortcomings again if the attitude's right but I'll probably get pelters for this from certain people, but I did not see a team there who looked like they gave a shit.
3: No, no, Trev, I didn't see one either, which is remarkable considering we've been told many times that Jordan and James set the standards and that those type of performances just wouldn't happen with them in the team. And yet they were two of the most blatant people who didn't seem to give much of a shit. Uh, Just for some context, 94 minutes of a game of football played today. Jordan Henderson attempted seven ground duels. Uh, He won one. He made zero tackles. Uh, James Milner, nine ground duels, won three, Uh, two tackles. They have started 71 games together in midfield for Liverpool since the 15-16 season began. 71 games. And they've won 30 of them. That is a 42% Win percentage. And just for some context, Roy Hodgson for his career, 43% win percentage. Jordan and James are the definition of mid table mediocrity who should count themselves incredibly fortunate that they've been the beneficiaries of vastly superior teammates raising their level for a number of years. Brexit, Trev, really does mean Brexit. When those two play together, we are a mid-table team. When they line up in midfield, we are not good. And how anybody could think that it was acceptable to start those two in midfield, in the Premier League, in the year of our Lord 2023, (laughs) I just have no idea. And to leave them on for 94 minutes.
2: Yeah, till the death.
3: Like it's not just the players that don't look arsed. The manager doesn't look arsed either.
2: Yeah, that's and a lazy. It, that's 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 lazy decision making. That's a lack of ideas on his yeah. part as well. Like if we're being honest,
3: it is a lack of ideas. Yeah, Naby Keita had a poor first half. He wasn't worse than Milner. He wasn't worse than Henderson, and yet he's the one who's hauled off for Harvey Elliott, who can't play in midfield as we've seen this season. Harvey came on, did nothing. For 49
4: minutes Ooh, I disagree
3: <laughs> What did he do? Um, I don't know I What just did he do? Played play one good ball within 60 seconds, Jim And that couple. was it yeah. I mean, no, didn't no, see player
4: gets, no player gets 10 out of 10 But, I think Kater was just waiting to get a, get a red card For most of the first half So I'd have I'd hauled him off, to be honest Um, because he just looked like that was his game Was just to see how far he could push the ref And I think the ref wouldn't, wouldn't have been pushed much more That ref tonight Um, yeah, and Elliot, I think we played better in the second half, slightly, but then again, just thinking of that comparison you were doing then about Milner and, and Hendo, I thought you were about to say, when you mentioned Roy Hodgson, I thought you were talking about his stats as a player, and the idea that Hodgson would be more asked than them two actually sounded believable, uh, and if that's the case, that you're thinking Hodgson, Roy Hodgson is more arsed than two of your main players, then that tells you something about them. So, you know, to be fair to Harvey, or to not be fair to Harvey, I mean, maybe... In my view, he just looked better compared to what had gone before. Um, and what was around him as well, because I, I think he was probably the best midfielder that played in the first hour. If, Jim, if you get what I mean.
2: Yeah. I, I, to, to stay with you on that, Jim, I mean, um, we were talking there about a, a, a comparative bankruptcy when it comes to ideas. Um, and we heard all the lovely words from Jürgen during the week and they had the desired effect on most people um I found myself doing a podcast last night with Guy and Lisa Marie where I was looking at these quotes from the press conference and from a a separate Sky interview that seemed to have everybody so pumped and uh this is my manager and honesty and all the rest of it and I was getting it very hard to agree because it seemed like the usual Kloppo guff. He wasn't answering the questions he was asked, and he was doing the kind of he's fantastic um, because he is uh, a big personality and 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 generally speaking a a hell of a communicator. He's very good at, at, at. talking a lot of bobbins and actually not actually addressing the issues that you know journalists are, have have actually asked them and saying things that sound great and all the rest and we heard nothing but jim during the week chat about you know um we have to go again and we have to do this and we have to learn and we will learn and blah 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 and then you just see that insipid uh, performance i agree with you there was the, 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 there was some traces, a little bit more perhaps in the second half. But generally speaking, I mean, it was very flat and yeah. and, and, and 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 like I say, bereft of 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 imagination, creativity, stuff like that. Without more solid there, I don't think we've really registered anything, have we, in terms of an effort?
4: It was just, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, when I'm, I think I'm speaking in relative terms about, about Harvey and his performance and how we sort of started that second half, cause we actually looked slightly bothered about the result for a little bit but despite that I mean there's so many things about the game that you can can say I mean how many yellow cards did we get because they were threatening us and how many yellow cards did they get because we were doing the same I don't think they did not that I can think of you know how, how worried was their goalkeeper I mean to be fair to Ali I mean he didn't have a lot to do tonight really but I feel like our goal was under more threat than theirs despite the difference in possession we we just had you know it's the same thing again. I mean, I, I've actually avoided press conferences and everything this week after what happened in midweek. Um, no point going back over that. Now there was an element of bad luck, but there was also a massive element of shitting in it. Shit. Reacting badly to what went on, um, and just getting worse and worse. And going into this game without hearing anything really Klopp had said, I just thought this can go one or two ways. They'll either be an absolutely brilliant, unforgettable fight back from the, from the side and they'll really show everything they can do, or it'll be a nervy 90 minutes. It'll probably end up in defeat. And in the end, I don't think, I don't think we were even nervous <laughs> because we weren't, we weren't bothered enough to be nervous. It was just, um, it was just difficult. But one thing that struck me tonight when I looked at the, the lineups and I looked at the bench and I looked at the back four and I looked at who could come on if, if anything happened to one of the back four and you realize Milner's already on the pitch. So if, if Trent has a bad day or, you know, needs, needs to be hauled off because it's not going well or whatever, who's going to take his place? Well, you'd have to move Milner over, which we did. Um, but who was on the bench in defense? And, and this is the thing, no matter how good or bad. A chef is, if you like, if if Klopp's our chef and he has been one of the best in the world at it, the ingredients he's got you know, he doesn't have enough ingredients for one thing and then, and then a lot of them went off a long time ago and we're still kind of expecting him to put this amazing dish out that we can feast on and he can't and I think they, this is the problem we've got this is the problem we were talking about in the transfer window, this is the problem we were talking about in the last transfer window, the one in the summer and so on, you know it's it's a... It's a squad that isn't good enough, isn't capable. There's players who were much better a good few years ago have not been replaced. You know, there's not, there's no sort of progression. It's all the same old stuff that we're talking about. But the, the, I think the most frustrating thing is, and it's the one that you both um, highlighted at the start of this, is you know, I don't, I don't give a damn if these players aren't great enough, fair enough. I mean, we shouldn't be hating Hendo because he should have left a while ago. We shouldn't be hating Milner; he should already be gone. These players who were on the decline shouldn't be here anymore. We should be remembering them as heroes instead of seeing them as they are now. But the thing is, that's that's what we've got. But even then, where's the desire? And there just seems to be so little of it. I mean, Cody Gappo was one. Of of the players who looked like he had some desire, even Mo Salah, I mean, when he did get the ball, even he wasn't really looking and passing it to someone, I just felt I just don't know, I mean it's the same thing we've been saying all season there's just no real proper explanation and it almost goes back to an earlier podcast we did one of the Raws, where you asked, I think Fred said, have we got to the point now where the players aren't playing for Klopp? And that, that question hit me again tonight
3: The thing yeah. is, Jim, like the reason these players are still there is because of Klopp the reason the ingredients have gone stale is because Jurgen hasn't thrown them out. Because, in his own words, "I'll never ask somebody to leave who doesn't want to leave." So I don't believe that. It's all. Um, well, who was the who, who, that, who, who, um, who insisted on the new contract for Henderson? Who,
4: how do you how do you know who did? That's the thing.
3: Well, Michael Edwards resigned as a result of it, so I'd imagine it was not him. James yeah. Milner wasn't going to get a new contract after he won the league, and. Jürgen insisted, and multiple journalists have confirmed this, that it was Jürgen who forced these contracts. Jürgen is the one who openly says he doesn't want players to leave if they don't want to leave. So I'm sorry, we're not just going to wipe the blame away from him when he's the one that's kept this squad. He's the one that kept Nabi Keita when he could have left a year ago. He's the one that kept Nat Phillips when he could have left many times. And He's the one trying to insist on a contract extension for Bobby when Bobby's well past his best. Yes, the owners are the biggest issue here, but Jürgen doesn't like to let players go. And You can look at his time at Mines and at Dortmund, and he hung on to players years after they were useful because they were players that he had a relationship with because he doesn't want to force players out.
4: If if, if if Endo had got if Endo didn't get a new contract, how much would that have saved us? And who would we have got with that money? Because we'd have had to find a transfer fee. And
3: but he'd be you know, leaving at the end wages. of the season, and it would have saved us five million over the last two seasons, ten million next year, and ten million the year after that.
4: And so it would have but, saved us that's 25. the thing. Like, who, who who could he have brought in?
3: Oh, plenty money. of people, Jim. Plenty,
4: Including people. wages and transfer. There things.
3: was money to spend. There was money to spend in the summer. How do you think we got Cody Gakpo? There was money to spend. He didn't want to spend. He said he'd ride it out with the same group. He went on multiple podcasts, did multiple interviews, and laughed at the idea that we needed a new midfielder. I don't think, though, that what's in a press conference
4: what behind the scenes aren't going to be the same thing, though. You know, he has... To, he has to, I mean, this is one of the issues I've got with the owners and, and the... Fake sale of the club, which did seem pretty fake after all. Um, that he's the one that's getting all the trouble. He's the one who's having to do the interviews. The closest John Henry does to an interview about the sale of the club is he sends an email response to a, uh, an outlet in Boston months later. You know, it's, I'm not saying Klopp's blameless and it might be the time for him to go, but I'm not convinced that it's all down to him. Well,
3: no, I'm not saying it's time for him to go or anything like that. Definitely not the time for him to go, but. He needs to change his approach. I well, think the thing he needs really to be doing ruthless is he, he, these
4: he, he, and like, yeah, he needs to be ruthless in press conferences as well. He needs to start actually dropping hints that if it's true, dropping hints that he wants things to change and making it clear. I mean, these players, wherever, wherever it is going on behind the scenes, they're not hearing in press conferences that the, their days are numbered after their performances. No, but performances. then
3: he came out during the week and he said, I saw this coming. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's that, what he that, said. I saw this coming. So you saw that, it coming and did nothing.
2: Let's quote him from yesterday, um, so that we can kind of clarify this. A little yeah, because I've heard it. it. It goes to your point, Jim, and also the sort of rebuttal that Dave's making, um, about, um, what I, I perceive as a uh, Klopp out there kind of shilling hard for the, the the approach the 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 system the whatever right um even though we know that that is changing and has changed but he said yes yesterday yesterday in his presser um last year it was not a season for big change we played until the last moment and if you want to change again this club we cannot just bring in new players and realise then later that nobody wants to leave it doesn't work it doesn't work like that he says so he went on and and previously he was saying like obviously we have to do things carefully we can't just go out and buy four players willy-nilly like other players uh, like other clubs can but this concept here that nobody wants to leave is Mm. the one had me scratch my head going.
4: Right. Okay. So is, that, is that sort of so when we talk about wage budgets, it's a sort of rather than a wage structure, it's more sort of here's your budget on the wages. And so if you want to bring those players in it, you can have some transfer money for them, but we're not we're not making the payroll any bigger than it is. You've got to offload some of these, which kind of then cancels itself out if Hendo's getting a renewal and stuff when clearly Hendo, you know, should have been, you know, given giving a gold clock and ask you know thanks for all your service move on a
3: handshake and a pat on the backside best of luck in your future endeavours loads of them should have got that I I, I, I should have got that Gomez should have got that
1: are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must have fan threads well over at our Anfield Index shop we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection Just head over to Anfieldindex.shop, or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfieldindex.
3: We just I, keep re- renewing them. Like,
4: yeah, the only like, reason I'd, I'd renew a player is if I thought, well, in the grand scheme of things, as a squad member, when when times are hard and we're not paying you as much as, as you used to get, there you go, there's your role, you know. And if that's not the money involved, if it's silly money involved, then it's a silly decision, isn't it?
2: To be fair.
3: I would feel for, that Aaron's about 450 grand a week.
2: They are decisions that should be taken out of the manager's hands.
4: That's the, that's the reality. Mm. That's not, they're not decisions he should be making. That's what works at the outset, isn't it? 100% with the, the manager, the, he, uh, the, the player manager, the man manager. Not uh, and longer, instead, yeah.
2: what he's doing now is, like, like I said recently, I think it's probably as, as good a way as any I've heard of expressing it. He basically has spent an awful lot of his capital in terms of guaranteeing that he keeps players around and extends fellows uh, that could and should have been spent, you know, um, banging a drum for uh, transfer uh, uh, um, funds and um, new players. It just feels a little bit like that. And and this whole kind of what shrugging our shoulders, like Dave was saying earlier on, like he was saying, well, we knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to be a tough season. Did we, Did we fucking know that? I didn't know that. I mean – I, I, that, that's, I certainly didn't think there was going to be anything. Now, obviously, it's been complicated by the injuries and you might have a situation potentially where if we'd been able to keep Diaz, uh, fit and firing and Jala hadn't gotten fucking totally space jammed. I don't know what that lad out there is now, but it's not Diogo Jala, And it hasn't been for a while. Let's be honest. He was, he wasn't great pre-injury either. Um, it just feels a little bit as if there's an awful lot of justification going on. And that's, I think what, what worries me the most to get this back on track a bit, Jim, let's, you and I talk about the Liverpool lineup and, and, and I'll, I'll talk to uh, Dave about Palace. Then um, in terms of what we did, we've already heard a little bit from Dave, but how he felt about uh, the particular selection. He went today with Matt being alongside Van Dyke and the rest of the fence, as you would expect, with, uh, Milner, Keita and Henderson in midfield and Shota, Gakpo and Salah, uh, across the top. Um, on, on the bench, uh, Fabinho had, uh, taken his place there. Bobby Firmino was there. Curtis Jones was there and Harvey Elliott. We also had Simicus, Carvalho, Pachitich and Kelleher. And as you mentioned, precious little sort of defensive cover bar Simicus there because the only other player who was there who was a nominal defender, as far as I can see, is uh, Reese Williams, which means that even Nat Phillips wasn't getting um, um, Nat Phillips, who people were saying should be playing instead of um, Van Dyke during the week. Um, for really? a play. yeah, uh, Jim, <laughs> you,
4: Jim, we are, we, See, uh, I stay, I've I, avoided it. That's why i yeah,
2: you you yeah, that's It's wise. Our, our, the, the amount of people who stand under the same banner as us that are literal mouth breathers is, is <laughs> terrifying. Um, talk to me about what you thought when you saw that. Um, I could, we, I guess we've kind of done the, to an extent, the the, the 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 groaning about the midfield. Was there anything else about that lineup that you liked or didn't like, or anything you thought was interesting about it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the first the first name I spotted was Joel's because I thought, right, well, Joe Joe Gomez has been looking. He, he has ups and downs in games, that's a nice way I can put it And and sometimes when he has a bit of a downer It carries on into lots of a downer So I thought maybe maybe he needed a break Okay, bring Matty in And I expected to look on the bench and see Gomez on there But of course, that's, that's when I spotted how, how light we were in defence And a we're at that point where we're putting out a back four That's basically the only four that are fit and and ready and capable And coming straight after the back of that game the other day I'm thinking, well you know this, this and I was, I was saying about this game going one or two ways. Maybe of the, the the reaction and everyone putting everything into it, or the opposite, where everything the confidence just goes further and further away. Only having those four available doesn't give you any room to give anyone a break if if they're having a shit time. And I thought Trent was having a shit time in the first half. But so before even the game began, this is what I'm thinking: these players aren't going to know you know, they kind of know they're going to be doing 90. It doesn't matter how they play. And it's, again, it's that other side to things as well, that there's no competition on the bench. There's no sort of, I don't know, they shouldn't need it, but they do play as a competitor. And if they don't feel there is any competition, it's going to take an edge off them. And I think that's happened to us a lot this season, along amongst all the other long, long list of things we've got. But, again, midfield, I'm thinking, well, I suppose the second word I saw was Milneson, you know, that portmanteau of hell. Um why those two were in the middle, I just didn't understand. And I looked at the bench and I saw other people on there. I mean, um, we might disagree on it, Dave and I, but I, I don't know. I would rather have picked Elliot than either, I mean, you know, the, in, in place of either one of those two, of and Milner, rather than having them both together. I think this has been said so many times that however good or bad they are on their own, when they're together, it kind of just brings out the worst in both of them. So that was, again, that was a worry. And then, of course, up front, um, Nunez missing. That's, that's a worry because you're thinking he's really starting to just slowly getting into the group. Another setback because of a tackle that I think wasn't fair against Newcastle. You know, that shoulder injury wasn't accidental in my opinion, but maybe I'm a little bit biased. But even then I thought, well, that's a front three that's decent. We'd have been happy with that front three a couple of months ago without this spell of shitness. We'd have probably thought that's not a bad front three. But as you said, Jota isn't the Jota that we had. Gakpo... He's, he's getting into things. I think he's, he's slowly, slowly getting, getting to be a Liverpool player. Mo is perhaps slowly going the other way, sadly. And I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I think my, my, my worry was a knackered back four, a, a worry in midfield and then a front three that are great, but can't be great all on their own. And that, that was my worry was, you know, were where, where are they going to get the service from? How are we going to get things to them? And I think that proved itself in the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, when we get into the details of the match, we'll see about it. We'll see. I mean was Vatis, I mean, with, with Stefan, I mean, was he was he injured? Was he rested because he? You know, oh yeah, he's a young pure, lad. He can't do anything else. He can't do everything.
2: Yeah, I think it was, I'd say it was purely rested. Honestly, yeah. that was one of the things against Real Madrid that nobody took into account was that, yeah, okay, the other two guys might have been gassed, but that kid is a kid. And people, people think that because yeah. you're a child, you can run around all day like a little toddler. No, the ki- kids actually get gassed as well. Yeah, and, and the mental torture for him as well. Yeah, people, exactly. You know, you've got to take right. that into it at exactly. that age. So I, 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 I can understand allowing him to step mm-hmm. out, but you, you can't do what, what, what we did today. Uh, Dave, to have a look at, at Crystal Palace briefly, because we're going to be talking about them quite a lot when we start getting into the details. I, I like a lot of w- what um Patrick Vieira was doing uh, in terms of this team. And I, the, the the Sky commentators uh, that I was listening to were, I don't know, I think they were a little bit um, uh, uninformed or they couldn't really see what was happening. But what I saw today from them was a pretty organised team. Um And there are some... There are a couple of very good footballers in there. They went today with uh, Guaita and Goal, Klein and Mitchell either side of Anderson and Gay. Um, they had Dukure and and Lakanga, who I thought both did very well today. And then Elise Schlup and IU with Mateta uh, as a normal striker. Now I have to say that this Elise kid really takes the eye. Um, but they also had on their bench. A couple that they could call on there, obviously Mia Vojvich is someone we're we we've we're all familiar with and was the club captain, don't know if he still is, Joel Ward. They, took, they can take on Edze, who's better than we had to take on, if we're being honest. Uh, James MacArthur, uh, Will Hughes, Edward came on as well, Chris Richards, and they had Hamada and uh, Whitworth. Talk to me a little bit about what you see happening there with them because I think, um, I think this, this, uh, Vieira lad might be the real deal when it comes to a coach. I think, I think he actually has a bit about him.
3: He does. Uh, he does. I think he's done a really good job at Palace since taking over because you have to remember they went through 20 years of absolute gammon, you know, and they had a run of like Pulis, Allardyce, Pardew. At five games of DeBoer and, um. They had Colin and, Riker and, as well. And, Hodge, Hodge and they had, they had Colin, I think, on two occasions as manager. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've had, I think Steve Bruce is the only one of the real Gammon Brigade that hasn't been there. Uh, yeah. Or, or was he? Maybe he was at some point. Yeah, anyway. He was. Yeah. They've had, they've had most of them. And there was a culture at Crystal Palace where at the start of the season, they had a, they had a target. It was 43 points and 13th place, and and no real drama over relegation battling. That basically became the culture there for a long time, and they managed to achieve that, and that's admirable on a small budget. And The football wasn't good. It was very agricultural. It was very boring. They would pick specific games that they thought they could get points in, and anything else would be a bonus. The very same stuff Hodgson has done sort of everywhere he's been. So for... For Vieira to come in and have to basically do a full culture reset on the club and completely change the style of play. We saw Graham Potter get enormous praise for doing this at Brighton, taking over from Chris Hughton. It was far more drastic what Vieira had to do, and I think he's done an excellent job. They've had a they've had a strange season this year because they had a strange pre-season where half their squad couldn't go under preseason tour because of vaccination statuses and different things. So they kinda of had a split preseason and set them back. But there's a lot of good players in that squad and they've they've recruited really, really well. Like Anderson and Gwehi is a really good centre back pairing. And they bought the pair of them for about forty-five million. They settled in brilliantly last season, a couple of injuries this season, but when they're together Palace are generally very, very solid. Uh, check de Kure, they paid 20 million for him in the summer. He looks like someone that maybe would have improved us in midfield, but you know, we're far too fancy to be buying players that aren't quite the finished product, apparently. Uh, Sambi Laconga, they got him in on loan from Arsenal. say they bought for eight million from Reading. They'll sell him and probably get 50. He is, he's is a really special talent. Like his left foot is basically like Trent's right foot. He can deliver the ball wherever he wants from anywhere on the pitch and he makes it all look very, very easy. AU is like an old soldier there, probably a little bit past his best and his best was never great, but he runs and he works hard. And the same goes for Schlup and Matet is a big bollocks up front who'll throw himself into four, into defenders and make a nuisance of himself. But again, you look that at the should be an
4: official term for that kind of player, that
3: a big box. <laughs>
4: <laughs> everyone knows exactly what you mean.
3: <laughs> exactly. Like the Chris Wood, uh, uh, what's your man's name? Uh, Ashley Barnes. Ashley Barnes and John Walters are probably the actual. A uh, definition of yeah, a big Johnny ball- Walters. Ball-
2: yeah, big bollocks. Yeah. But
3: like, yeah, like Trev, you mentioned Eze coming off the bench. I mean, he's, he's a standing player. Will Hughes is okay. Edward's a good player. The young lads they didn't bring on, Ahamada, they brought him in the, in January for like eight or nine million. He's, he's going to be very good. And Chris Richards is another solid center back. Like, you could argue they had as strong a bench as us, maybe stronger, but certainly better individual options to bring on in the likes of Eze, Edward, Richards and Ahamada, people that could actually change the game for them in different ways. So yeah, I I do like this team. I think they're a couple of players away from having a really fun team. And remember, they're missing their best player tonight. Wilf that has not even the squad because he's injured. And Wilf has always done fairly well against us, even though Palace don't tend to do well against us. He tends to do well against us and, his I'm eyes lit he up. he
4: wasn't playing tonight, I think.
3: Oh, man, his eyes would have lit up when Milner went to right back. He'd have got giddy and <laughs> started dancing. But yeah, like I, I do think they're only a couple of players away from being a team that could do what Brighton have done this season and challenge for Europa League or Conference League spot. You know, Maybe upgrade the keeper, a better right back. I quite like Mitchell, the academy pro- uh, product at left back. Replace AU, get Eze into the team more and find a goal scorer. And they're gonna be in fairly good shape. Like they'll probably get they'll get the Vultures coming around after the likes of Elisa and De at some point, but if they can hang on to them for one more season. A top half finish is definitely possible because like you, I think Vieira has a bit about him. Yeah.
4: You, you know something else as well about Vieira is that he did his coaching badges with the FAW. Um instead, of, you know, instead of doing with his own country, he went over to the FAW, did them all there. And the guy that ran that and was, I think, instrumental in the change that you saw in that national team of Wales. Um, Osh Roberts is, is right hand man now. Um, he was the kind of man behind the scenes, almost perhaps like a director of football role almost at, at, in the, in the Welsh national setup, running all the coaching stuff as well. And he's alongside him now. And that, that to me, there's a little partnership there that's, that's really powerful. If you think how much Wales punched above the weight a few years ago, mm. um, you know, the man behind the scenes that was, Perhaps not the man in front of the camera, but the man who I think was really making the difference is Osh. And you know, that's 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 a you know a quite formidable partnership I think there. You know, imagine them at a different club with more funds and all the rest of it.
3: The thing as well to remember is that like he's been really well schooled as a manager because he was in the city setup for a long yes. time. He was like five years with them with the elite development squad, and then went to New York and managed there. And then he went out on his own, went to Nice. It Went well for the first kind of 18 months and then things took a a kind of downward spiral. But as it's turned out since he's left, a lot of people point to the owner who's currently in the process of trying to buy Manchester United and say and saying that he's just not a good owner. He's he's somebody that interferes a little bit too much at some points and then has absolutely no interest at others. So when Vieira was banging the drum for some funds, Jim Ratcliffe was nowhere to be seen.
4: We're gonna have a look. Just one more quick thing on Vieira as well. Sorry, as well is, as a player, he definitely wasn't as level-headed as he seems as a manager. He seems to be a different character.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have a look at the um, the details of the match now. And and for the record, when before the mics went live, we were all sort of in agreement that we would treat that game with the disdain it deserves and put about as much effort in as the lads put in. Uh, We've already easily outperformed them in terms of our efforts here this evening. So we're going to see how long it takes us to get through this. But I think for context, it might be nice to frame up uh, what we're about to talk about with the manager's take. And maybe it does feed a little bit back into what I was saying earlier on because uh, quoted via Carl Matchett, Uh, Good point to be honest The previous games here were like tonight. main difference is we didn't score Tonight could we have done better for sure The ball in behind was missing We played in behind the lines The runs in behind were missing They hit the crossbar but they had no shot on target uh, Which is a good sign Tough game clean sheet Uh, we will keep going, he says. I see in your eyes, in the player's eyes, we lost the game. We didn't. We cannot suffer that. There will be, this will be a, this will not be a season of history. There will be no movies about it, but we have to go through it anyway. We have to keep going. Take the thing and go again. Um, all right. Uh, I, 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 it just, it just, it really to me feels like that lad's going through the motions. It feels like he's just saying words, uh, I, I don't know how much he believes in himself. And it's a very, very interesting point that I think both of you are getting at is the concept of how much uh, he's actually even sort of believing the things that he's saying at this Do you
3: stage. I remember in the last, say, three or four years of Wenger's reign at Arsenal, when it became clear he'd just gotten really worn out. And he used Mm. to come out with like mad stuff all the time. Stuff like that. Like that is that's a mental thing to come out and say. A good point. Mm. Yeah. What are you talking about? They're twelfth in the league.
4: Yeah, Palace should be saying a good point.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For Palace it's a good point. For that, us, that's two points dropped, and there's no other way of looking at that.
2: That was the era when he came out with fourth as a trophy,
4: isn't it? You know, exactly. I, it was. It was. he was. It was starting to. He was starting to talk bobbins, and I just. He uh, was. Money. He was also saying that he doesn't need to buy any more players, and it yeah, was exactly. a feeling that yeah, yeah. there wasn't any money to buy anyway because they was they'd spent it all on a new ground, and they were paying that the loans off for that, and you know whether that's true or not doesn't matter, but the parallels are mad. My, yeah. my hope is that basically what's happening here is that
2: he is just doing the front of house and covering and, uh, that there is something good on the way. But I feel as if that might be naive on my part. I'm not sure. Jim, let's start the first half at details. And we did actually, if we're being perfectly honest, have a, a decent enough tempo about us in the early goings. Um There was a couple of decent bits of, uh, from Cody Gakpo, you mentioned earlier on, you thought you could see a few signs. I, I agree with you completely. He's developed this thing of, um, taking the ball in and turning away from trouble in a very sort of, uh, progressive and, 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 and exciting fashion, a little bit like the Tiago turn, but we saw it a couple of times from him today. Um, he was fouled at eight minutes, right in front of Darren England. Much more of 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 Darren England later on, because what we saw tonight from Darren England was we saw a referee without even the vaguest hint of presence. He is a little nothing. He's a little. He's
3: definitely a volunteer guard in his spare time. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, he yeah. But runs the neighborhood watch, snitches on everybody. Yeah.
4: I was thinking, I've not, I don't know anything about this referee. And he was probably thinking that as well, that no one knows anything about him. I'll, I'll change that. He thought, all we know, (laughs) all all we know about him is that he's equally
2: shit on VAR. Yes. And, and he has done a, done us up uh, in a very spectacular fashion in the past. What I would say about him is it's the lack of presence is remarkable to see the bullying he got from Crystal Palace players tonight. I I've, I've never seen anything. it's it was like a throwback to 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 an, an earlier era of football. He was entirely bullied right to the end, right to the death. After the final whistle had yes. gone, he was still getting bullied. He right. gave a yellow card to Anderson Anderson was Anderson was bullying him for the whole game.
3: It was it was like watching a little bit like watching United the way they used to bully referees back Chelsea in the day. As well, later but, on. But this wasn't even like they weren't even doing anything that was what your class is over the top. It was just that he was so weak. Allow me to read you his Wikipedia page. and if, <laughs> oh my if God, Jim, Wikipedia Jim is right. right Jim is right. No one knows anything about this man because Darren really England so? is a Premier League football referee who was promoted in August 2020. In December 2021, the PGMOL announced that England had been added to the 2022 FIFA list of international match officials. Prior to this, England had been a select Group 2 referee since 2017 and uh, prior to this had been a Premier League assistant referee between 2012 and 2015. Career. He refereed the League 2 playoff final in 2017 between Blackpool and Exeter and then was promoted to the Select Group 2 list and that is the entirety of his Wikipedia.
4: It's not even the shittest England but he is pretty bad. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, like I say, it's 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 a remarkable thing. He's he's just he's 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 the definition of an empty shirt. And uh, I I think you know if 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 a fellow like that walked into a a classroom of thirteen year olds, he'd be savaged. It's just it's just terrible to watch. Yeah. Uh, it should be part of the job description, is my point. Anyway, Jim, as I said, early goals are decent, not bad from Cody. First thing of note really in the whole game on thirty minutes there's a sort of an opportunity where Trent hits a poor ball back towards goal. Mm-hmm. Mateta gets in, but he can't finish it. it goes out for a corner for which to get nothing. Um, on 17, Jana hits a solid sort of a half volley effort straight at the keeper after a decent ball in by Robbo. Um, 22 minutes, we saw Jota heading against the post. It's basically what happens, I think there's a delivery in, it it, it comes to Joel Matip at the back post who sort of lofts a little half volleyed cross over uh, the face of goal and to the back post, but there's no angle for Diogo to be fair to the kid uh, and he ends up just basically making contact with and heading the ball against the outside of the post which is literally all he could do unless he was to try and get it back uh, across goal. Um On 23, the first yellow of the game is for Navi Keita and you felt... Within a couple of minutes, he was already getting into other sort of slightly borderline challenges. And uh, I, I agree with you completely. There was no choice but to take that lad off because he was a red card waiting to happen with um, with uh, Big Daz England. Uh, 23 minutes. Um, they have a fantastic opportunity where uh, there's a free in from Olisse over on the left. Uh, gays coming across from right to left. And should do much better. It's pretty much a free header, and he heads it narrowly wide, but wide nonetheless. 26 minutes, Klein um, takes a yellow on Jota. It gives us a central free kick. And from that, uh, Trent hits the ball, and it's barreling goalwards only to... (laughs) only to skittled only to get skittled uh by uh by 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 big jordan who neither jumps nor falls over nor whatever i
4: it seems a bit mean to pick on him for that but i don't know whatever i, I wrote me- i just wrote down ffs hendo well, and you yeah, yeah, remember exactly what yeah, yeah, happened
2: exactly of course you did <laughs> uh, in, in terms of those in terms of that opening 20 25 30 minutes uh the only other thing yeah, there's no, there's there's not, nothing else worth a damn, I think, that I, in terms of incidents. Is there, is there anything you want to pick out of that uh, or anything you could see that was happening, good or bad or indifferent?
3: Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. on the EPL Roundtable There every week after The Premier League Match Week So make sure you listen to everything We're doing on EPL Index And follow us there on Twitter At EPL Index Thank you, bye bye
4: Yeah, I mean I, I did like that Robo to Gappo, Gappo back to uh, Jota But obviously Jota it's it straight at the keeper But that that's something you feel A little bit of a combo there that could be quite good In time um, But you're also thinking when I say in time, like, in a few minutes, you know, later on in this game, a couple more times, but, it, you know, it, they're just sort of fleeting moments, and I think that was telling, because I think somewhere around the half hour mark, I had a quick look at the stats at the time, and our possession was, some, possession was something like 77 to 23 in our favour, um, we'd had one shot on target, which was that one we just talked about, and maybe five shots in total, they'd had a couple of shots, they'd had a corner, we hadn't even had a corner by this point, and as I sort of say, you, you sort of, and you look at those stats, you're thinking, well, what, what real threat have we been? I mean, yeah, there was that one moment. Um, but we've not really been a threat. And, you know, we're getting to the point now where we're having that amount of possession and we've not got any ideas on how to make the best use of it. And that then gets you looking at the midfield and think, well, who's the creative player in that midfield at the moment? And there isn't one. And, you know, half an hour in. It just feels like already this is turning into the kind of game where we're going to have the ball, do nothing with it. We're going to get drawn more and more into this sort of idea of of attacking and getting nowhere with it, and they're going to break and they're going to score. And maybe in hindsight, I should be glad with the result because at this point in time, I was starting to think "We're, we're messing this up now. We're not, we're not doing, we're not killing them off. We're not taking control of the game. We're not silencing the crowd enough, and we're going to get hit by a sucker punch because it's what keeps happening to us. I think you're right, you know,
2: I think that's uh, I think that's actually one of the big takeaways from it. It was all the while I was just wincing and nervous and sort of mm-hmm. it, it was one of those sort of bullet clenchingly awful matches where you're just waiting for us to get mugged. Um and in terms of what happens for the rest of the first half, uh there is a glorious in swing cross by Elise say, on thirty-six minutes, and uh Schlupp nearly gets on the end of it. That goes down as a, a chance. An opportunity, at least, uh, yeah, uh, at least a effort on 39. It's a kind of a cross, first time cross blocked by Naby Keita goes out for a corner uh, on 40. Mo breaks away, cuts in, and his shot is kind of by the numbers curling effort that's easy enough for the keeper. And on 41, Mateta hits the bar after a schlup. Does trend up like a kipper and centres to uh, Mateta? He should do much better with the opportunity. For being perfectly honest, the first half has one more low light where Joel gives the ball away and Ali has to bail him out on 44 minutes, and it did have that feeling, Dave, that that, that Jim is talking about that. It just looked like we're at any minute, uh, we were re- ready to implode. The way I tried to put it on Twitter earlier on was you can pass the ball through us or you can run through us. We are very versatile. That's how it felt. You know, that any, any form of attack will be effective against this particular iteration of Liverpool.
3: Yeah, because this particular iteration of Liverpool just don't seem to really care all that much about what's going on. And, you know, at half time Nabi Cade had made had, had ten ground jewels. Now he'd only won two of them, but he'd had ten. And he'd made one tackle. James Milner had three ground duels and won one of them. One tackle. And Henderson had three ground duels, won none of them, and had made zero tackles. And we were just getting played through Left and right. And not only were we getting played through, we were helping them with the playing through. Joel Matip had two big wobbles. Trent had a really bad moment uh, when he got caught on the ball in our own box. And it just seemed like we were, we were setting out to, uh, to sabotage ourselves. I mean, the, the only real, um, the only real impact Henderson made in the first half was blocking a goal bound shot. By Trent, which was sailing into the top corner, only his, his head got in the way. And other than that, our midfield, like, they they were going around a half second too slow to everything. Just when your midfield is like that, you're going to struggle because your defence is going to be too exposed. And your attack, as Jim mentioned, they're not getting any support. There's no creativity. There's no drive. There's no desire coming from that midfield. And you know, we we were quite lucky, I think, to go that,
4: in. That was up. telling. That that we said about no support. That was telling on that that chance. Well, that, that chance that Salah had in about the 40th minute, when he, you know he he broke forward with the ball with the pace he's got, and the only player mm-hmm. up front by the time he looked up, um, I think, it was Jota, who was like three defenders away. Uh, on the other, other side, of the box. box. Yeah, yeah. And there was no one else coming in that could have just helped cause a bit of chaos in that moment, and. You know, Jota was too far away with too many defenders in the way. There was no, no real option for Salah, but, to, but to have a go. And, you know, where were the midfielders? You know, for years and years and years when Liverpool have been good, quite often it's the midfielders who have been, you know, knocking in the goals, you know, quite often almost challenging the, the strikers. I mean, we had midfielders down the years who've been our top scorers. Where were worthy today? And again, we keep asking, where the fuck is the midfield? Can I ask you both a question? What level of.
2: You know, on the ground or actually burrowing into the turf, do you think Curtis Jones self-esteem is currently yeah. at? Because when you look at that today, how in blue fuck is he not selected? How, mm-hmm. how awful must he be in training? Uh, if a young man who is of obvious talent cannot get a place ahead of our two Crumbling veterans.
3: I mean, the, the strangest thing is, Trev, wh- when we've been good last season, when we were actually good, Curtis Jones was getting games. And right. There might only be sub appearances, but he was getting game time. This season, he, he can't get a look in. He's been on the bench now for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's he doesn't cruel. get a look in.
4: It's cruel you know the the 80s are i think you said this in the past more than once dave that he needs to go out on loan if he's not going to get games for us get some yeah. experience learn you know make mistakes and all the rest of it learn from them you know realize what works what doesn't work all of that kind of stuff you don't get that on the bench and you don't get it playing for the under 23s if, if, if that's the only football you're getting and dave jim
2: said that we started the second half with a little bit of a better attitude and you would have to say that there was a couple of little bits and bobs, however oh, they, yeah,
3: they got they clearly got a ball at half time
2: yeah but it's it's a it's mix. it's it's a mixed <laughs> bag because because we start the second half with that substitution of Harvey Elliott for nabi abator. Uh, there's a nice ball in from Harvey early on um towards Jata, kind of a curling in swinging ball straight kind of ball in um. And the shot is trying to stick a leg out at. On 47, however, Schlupp heads uh, a a very weak effort uh, goalward and should do much, much better. It's not a bad opportunity. On 48, Mo hits the bar with a curling first-time shot. It's his absolute highlight. It's a beautifully executed effort. It's just a shame. It's it's, um, a couple of inches too high. Virgil has to do very well versus Mateta on 51. So I suppose what I'm trying to say here is that, yeah, we did have a little bit more about us. But at the same time, they have re- they've uh, re- um, had equally as much threat in these opening minutes. There is a chance um for us. So I think it was a Trent cross. Show. It was either Trent or Mo, but it, the, the viciousness that was hit with the right foot. I think it was Trent.
3: Was um, stretch, yeah, Mo yeah. played them in down the line.
2: Yeah, uh, all I saw was a head of hair, and I just, I, they didn't do a replay on what I was watching. It led to a corner from which we got nothing. Then there's a Joel Matip header from a corner, it led to another corner, and from that, Jota hit hit the ball over on the left hand side from a narrow angle. It was not even a half chance. At this point, what I've written down here, Dave, is that this game, the standard of it, right? There's, there was balls being hoofed left, right, and center. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't had a hoof, hoof watch today, but there was so much just agricultural bullshit yeah. going on at that stage. It was like the dog and duck against the cock and balls. Like it wow. was just absolute, horrendously awful stuff. We were sloppy as be Jesus. Harvey then gave the ball away awfully uh, to lead to a corner in 65 minutes and we pick up another yellow Henderson who could not live with Elise's pace, decides to take him out uh, on 66 minutes, give them a free a dangerous free on the edge of the box uh, Trent actually had his best moment of the match shortly before he went off on 69, he did very well versus Schlopp, where he had to chase back against them uh, and what we'll do is we'll finish you and I here with this section where the, t- the double substitute sh- uh, substitutions come on, uh, they Bring on um, Edward and uh, Eb e- 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 Bridge Ebbe uh, Eze, and we bring on Fab and Bobby uh, for Jata and Trent. What did you make of that period of the match? Because God knows the little last section that I'm going to talk about with Jim has even less incident. This is a real feature, by the way, that we should note here. Is the lack of opportunities that we are creating. It is a real worry. There's a real lack of opportunities being created. Um, in the, in the Real Madrid game, it was appalling how little we did in that second half. And in this game here, when we really should be going and trying to win this late on, I think there might be one more opportunity that I have to talk about. What did you make of that up as far as the uh, multiple substitutions there, Dave?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Jim's right. We did start the second half with a better attitude, but I also think we were more open because mm. one of the things that bringing Harvey Elliott on does is it leaves you more open, Um, especially when the other two aren't particularly good. Well, there's no need to finish that sentence. They're just not particularly good. Um So, yeah, we had a bit more about us, but they were also finding it still quite easy to get through us. And then, like you said, it was as if, it was as if it was a charity game and Jurgen and Vieira just stepped aside and Big Sam and Tony Pulis appeared as if from nowhere and lads just started humping the ball up in the air for absolutely no reason and I was tempted to begin a second half hoop- hoof watch but I was also trying to count tackles and ground jewels and stuff and I realised that I wasn't going to have time to do them all so, um, I, I just left it as it was, but it was, it was a, it was an absolutely abysmal game of football. That, that period you're talking about, we just seemed to sort of accept a draw. And we had, we, I think we had one decent chance in the second half. And that's it. That's all we managed to create. Like Palace are a decent team. They are. They're a decent team, but they're not, they're not world beaters. They're not they're a decent defensive unit, but they're not the best defensive team in the world by any stretch. And yet it seemed very easy for them to keep us in front of them. We had a couple of moments of joy where Trent got on the outside and got a ball across or had that cross shot that was tipped over a couple of moments where Mo got in behind. But like Jim mentioned earlier, there was just no support that we weren't getting any bodies in the box. And Jurgen makes the changes and, I I just don't really understand what what the logic behind them was because they didn't make us any more attacking. They didn't offer us any more invention. In fact, they almost did the opposite because Bobby came on and seemed to just drop into midfield to give us an extra man in there because we were getting overrun a little bit. And... Fab obviously performs the holding role in midfield. So it it kinda seemed like Jurgen was like, Oh, we'll take the draw here Which is is very, very disappointing. Like I know we didn't have great options off the bench, but Curtis is a fellow with a bit about him who could come on and maybe make something happen. I'm not sure what Harvey uh Harvey, what Fabio Carvalho has done wrong. Because he was playing earlier in the season Scored a couple of goals, had a couple of, you know, decent match changing interventions. And now he's lucky to even make the bench. And when he does make the bench, he might as well come on and wear his shoes because he's not he, getting on the pitch.
4: He laughed at a Curtis Jones joke one day.
3: He must have done. He must have done. <laughs> like uh, did, did Klopp or catch Curtis and, and Fabio having a laugh at the fact that, you know, James Milner was playing football. In the Premier League before they were born. maybe that's it, but like it's, it's just, it's abysmal stuff. It's absolutely abysmal stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll be back to you to wrap up in a second, Dave. Uh, Jim, you and I'll have a look at this last little bit because the <laughs> one of my favorite moments, and I, I mean this in a very dark sense happens immediately after the substitutions. Um, because big Jim is still on the pitch, um, and has moved across to right back. And in his first contribution as a right back, we see him raiding up the right flank. Uh, he cuts back and falls over on 71 <laughs> minutes. And it was just, off oh, Jimbo. I mean, I, no, my fondness for Jimbo is, is is on the record. It's just like that... Uh, I don't know. Anyway, 73 minutes. Uh, we did have a little bit of a moment where Harvey found Robbo, who headed across towards Bobby, who was offside, so it wouldn't matter anyway. There's another yellow, Fabinho, this time on IU on 76. And then we did have the only, uh, the, the one sort of opportunity where. Uh, It could have been a wonderful moment on 80 Minutes where Cody hits the ball wide from uh, Mo Salah through ball uh, as the keeper is uh, advancing and he just gets his touch a little bit wrong, uh, with the finish. you it, it would have been a glorious way to, to, to absolutely steal the points. Um, on 81 minutes, another yellow. I think we pick up five in total, by the way, uh, by the end of the game. This is Joel Matup this time on 81, 83. Bacitich comes on for, uh, Cody, uh, Gakbo. They were, this is their first clean sheet against Liverpool in 15 years Jim and they added three minutes at the end Darren England did uh, there's another yellow for Robbo on 92 who seemed to get the ball to be fair to him mm-hmm. uh, dangerous free and second ball Joel Mata headed it away We're under pressure at the death is the point I'm making here which is really fucking annoying Uh and Then at the end, like I mentioned before, we could see Palace, Anderson in particular, who got a yellow uh, all over uh, the ref Darren in England because they wanted to keep playing. Uh, Who who knows what? They were just having a go and uh, he was spectacularly weak. I'd love to tell you that like, I'd love to be asking you to take your pick of all those wonderful things I just talked about to, 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 to dissect in detail. But apart from that one Gakpo opportunity is a lovely little ball by Mo, all the rest of us just fucking by the numbers. We just, were not doing enough creatively and, the players that we have, we might be uh, shrugging our shoulders and saying, like, we don't have a whole lot of opportunities and injuries and blah, blah, blah. But these guys are better than what they're showing. That's what really, really sticks in the craw.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, that Cody Chance, and this, this isn't the, the second point I'm going to make on this doesn't really apply to him. Um, he was too honest in that he should have, he should have let, he should have let that, um, he could have won a pen. Let's put it that way with that referee. It wouldn't have taken much to win a penalty, but he, he, he's too honest, too, too decent, whatever you want to say. Um, his, his mind was on scoring a goal, not winning a penalty that he didn't really deserve, but. I don't think there would have been any complaints with just a slightly different movement, if you like, from him in terms of how how we went about that. That because the goal he was committed, and he it, it could have easily. You've seen players do it. They, they're actually looking to win a pen, but he's looking to score a goal. And I'd I'd rather have a player that looks to score the goals than win the pens. But I'd rather have a player who knows to do both. And hopefully, if we need him to do that in the future, we will. But at the same time, you know. I, When we go back to that, the lack of effort. We don't even seem to have the effort to to win free kicks. You know, we sort of we're too honest all the time as well. We're not. You know, I I don't know if that was because we weren't attacking them enough, but we're we're probably on the verge of a fine. I I think maybe one more booking we'd have probably got a fine for the number of bookings we got today. And yet, I think they had maybe they'd had one, maybe two bookings until the end when they got to play. But after the final whistle, Um, it's just it it, it's the frustration after I I felt. First, you know, first minutes of that second half, we'd, we'd had the bollocking, no doubt. We were starting to show some signs and some ability and some, you know, some effort and some desire. And it just faded and faded and faded. And in the past, we've said, well, maybe we've just run out of steam. But I don't think we did. We just we just ran out of ideas. We'd, we'd used them all. We we didn't have any. Um, Hendo was losing his rag left, right and centre. You know, it's again, he could maybe have got a second yellow the way he was creating. Um the best substitution was probably the, the one that was made after 84 minutes when the young lad came on. It, it, but you know, you can't, you can't change a game then. And you wonder, you know, if he did need a rest, maybe he shouldn't have even been on the bench. Um, if he only needed a bit of a rest, maybe he could have played 20 and maybe he could have made a difference because he's one of our best players at the moment. Um, which I know isn't difficult these days, but yeah, it just, it, I mean, the game fizzled out. And I think I remember writing down with, um, about 91 minutes, I think it was, I put, the Palace fans were celebrating the the coverage, uh shot to their fans, really celebrating this nil nil. And I and I actually thought, well, maybe we should be celebrating as well, because in a way, the way we've ended up in this game, we've kind of, you know, at least it's not a defeat. We've got a point, we've got a clean sheet. We can, maybe we should just be celebrating that the way we've been lately. And you know, this could easily have been a defeat. We shouldn't be, but maybe we should. And then, as you say minutes later, they're nearly coming and mugging us for that. So we, we couldn't, almost couldn't even hang on to that point from that dire result. And that, that's again another, another bad sign. It really felt like we were going to concede then. And I think the, the ref did us a favor because you don't often see. Refs. You know, they, they normally like to make sure any corners and things are cleared well away to the halfway line before they blow the whistle. You know, they don't tend to light like to blow unless the name's Clive Thomas when a corner sort of in the middle of being taken, <laughs> can be taken. And that's, I think, what got them angry. The only thing I'll say about that, though, is they did a fair bit of time wasting in that game. And maybe, you know, maybe if it hadn't been for the time wasting, they wouldn't have, um, they wouldn't have even had the corner in the first place. There wouldn't have been enough time left. But, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated with Liverpool at the moment and I think we can sit here all day coming up with reasons but I reckon any, any one of us three could walk in to the training ground on Monday, give us 10 minutes and we can probably give you plenty of reasons of things that you need to change and none of them should be a surprise but you, you do wonder if maybe they would be.
0: I don't need a VPN, I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
2: Yeah, it, it, that's the real that's the real worry is, is that you don't feel that there is a plan afoot that you trust that's going to fix this stuff. Uh, and there seems to be this... Kicking into touch and looking towards how, well, this is a write off. And, and that's the, the acceptance of that is a real worry. I, I, I never, I, I can't as a fan. I can't accept that. Um, Jim, I'll come back to you in a minute to finish the show. And Dave, let's you and I finish up with your final thoughts and any uh, mentions of stuff for the week to come. Uh, anything you want to just sum up or refer to or go back on there, uh, before we wrap it up.
3: No, uh, I'm going to finish with a quote from our uh, vice-captain, Mr. James Milner. Uh, we've come here and you <laughs> saw the desire, grit and determination. I don't <laughs> think the defeat to Real Madrid affected it. If that is what he thinks desire, grit and determination is, we are in major bother. Major wow. bother. It It doesn't... I can accept us losing games because you'll always lose games. But the, it's the lack of effort that I just find completely unacceptable. And it's not just today. It was against Real in that second half where we just rolled over. It was against Wolves as they pummeled us. It was against Brentford as they pummeled us. It was against Brighton as they pummeled us. Like, this is, this is unacceptable. This is completely unacceptable. And the reason I thought we had to question Klopp at the start is because this is on him as much as anybody. This lack of, of effort and, and desire because he can't control certain things. He can't control how well a player plays game to game because there's so many variables. But he can, he can affect the effort and the attitude of those players and they look like they're phoning it in and he looks like he's phoning it in he looks he looks exhausted from this and that's why I would draw the comparison to the late era of Wenger at Arsenal because Wenger had won three league titles he would win a bunch of FA Cups and on and on and on but eventually he became something of a laughing stock and you began to really pity him in the situation that he was in where as jim said they they built that stadium and that seemed to be all his transfer budget gone for the better part of a decade and we've had a similar enough situation where we built stands and and a training ground with money taken from the club, not money that the owners put in, which, remember, these are the great champions of FFP. These were the men that bought Liverpool and thought they could run it a certain way based on the principles of FFP. And one of the founding principles of FFP is that owners can invest their own money into infrastructure, and it will not count against your financial fair play balance sheet. But instead, they took 200 million pounds for the stands and the training ground from the club to pay for those things. Now, those things were needed. Those things are important. However, that £200 million could have funded four or five or six new players across the last five to six years, players that potentially could have been the difference between finishing second and winning a title. Between finishing second and winning a title, between losing a final and winning a, a final. And that to me, that's really troublesome because the biggest beneficiaries of the new infrastructure is not the owners. Sorry. It's not the fans. It's not the players. It's the owners because that infrastructure has raised the value of their asset by close to half a billion. They haven't put a penny in, but their asset went up half a billion because they took money from the club to pay for improvements. Whereas they could have improved the team. They could have given Jurgen the support he both needs and deserves. And we're in a situation like Arsenal we're in with Wenger, where we have one of the very best managers on the planet, and he looks like he's aging drastically before our eyes he looks powerless to turn this around he looks like he's running out of ideas he looks exhausted and he's getting more and more snipey in his press conferences and we've seen him have a go with two different journalists recently one being i think carl markham and the other being uh james jimbo pierce Uh, both of them out of character and both of them undeserved. Now, there's many reasons he could have a go at Jimbo. That wasn't one of them. That was over a piece that Melissa Reddy wrote for a completely different outlet. It wasn't written by James Pierce or anybody at the Athletic. And it just, it worries me that Jurgen just looks like a guy who's kind of at the end of his rope. And I know he's, he said he has loads of energy and he hasn't considered leaving and I'm sorry I just I don't believe it. I don't believe that he, he he's full of energy. I don't believe that he has all this energy. I I he looks like a guy go- I can only base it on what I see and what I hear, and he, he reminds me so much of of Wenger circa twenty twelve to twenty fifteen. And that was when the fans started remember to turn against Wenger, and it ended in a horrible situation where Large portions of the crowd at the Emirates were holding up banners demanding that this man, who was the greatest manager in the history of their club, should go. And I would hate to think that we'd ever get to the point with Jürgen where fans will demand he go. Now, I think as a fan base, we're a little bit more level headed than perhaps the Arsenal fans are but at the same time Wenger had made a much bigger impact over a much longer period of time and should have had more credit in the bank than Jurgen will have at a club like ours where there's always been great success I, I i it's things major things need to change major things need to change our structure has fallen apart gordon's gone edwards has gone Ward is going. Graham is going. Now, I know Spearman is is going to replace Graham, but there's still no word yet on who will replace Julian Ward. We've had conflicting reports from different journalists about whether or not qualifying for the Champions League will impact the budget for the summer, which is also very disturbing when we see a club like Arsenal, for example, who haven't been in the Champions League in years have spent about three hundred million more than us since we won the European Cup, and they're and Jimbo, in a position to win the league this year. And, and you've, got Jimbo,
2: you've got Jimbo saying um, we don't need we uh, we don't. We don't
3: yeah, from, from the man that brought you the classic hits, no glaring gaps to fill, and yeah. bang in the mix for big yeah, yeah. runners comes. It doesn't need a big rebuild. Spending money is bad. Look at Chelsea. Like, this is tripe. This is utter tripe, and this is a narrative that has been spun so that when we get into the summer, if we haven't made the Champions League, they'll give us the excuse of, oh, well, Liverpool didn't qualify for the Champions League, so there's not as much money to spend.
4: Which is she bullshit, because there is no way a company like FSG, with all their years and years and years of experience, run a business on a kind of hand-to-mouth basis, on mm-hmm. a sort of year-to-year basis. You've got a long-term plan, and in that plan, you'll factor in a shit year, something yeah. going wrong, and if you can't do that, you, in other words, I don't think that's true, I, there's no way they would run the club like that, and if that's what narrative they decide to try and pour out, then there's clearly bullshit at
3: play. The only thing we can hope for is that we get this minority investment. Cause as, as Jim mentioned earlier on, it, it looks like the whole idea that they were going to sell the club in its entirety was merely kind of a tire kicking expedition to see if anybody would be willing to give them four billion or whatever it is that they would like for the club. Uh, with that money not being there, they'll now seek minority investment, which is probably what they wanted all, all along. And uh you would hope that that money, at least a portion of it, will go towards funding the team. Like if they get a billion quid for twenty-five percent or they get five hundred million for twelve and a half percent, or whatever they get, you would hope that a large a large chunk of that money will go back into the club, back into recruitment because they only paid 300 million for the club and if they sell 25 percent and get a billion that's over a three-time return on investment while still leaving them with 75 percent of the asset
4: they didn't even spend 300 million i think tony evans was saying on our podcast but you actually look at what they spent it wasn't even it wasn't even 200 i don't think it, it's it, it you know because because of how the things how it was done you know with the debt being on the club and things like that. The debt's still been on Hicks and Gillette a certain amount of it as well. It's
3: it's just, it's like, it's just, it's, it was a bargain. I, I understand that they haven't taken money out of the club, but they're every bit as guilty as, as the Glazers of using the club as a cash cow. Well,
4: they haven't, because it, a lot of people haven't taken money out of the pension. But yeah. later on, they'll get the pension. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's not a pension, but it's a, it's a long-term investment. But if, you,
3: they, if you've put 200 million, let's say 200 million into something, and you get 4 billion back out of it, that is the very definition of a cash cow. You mm-hmm. have fattened up an asset for sale, and you have cashed in and made, that would be 20 times the investment. Like, for for no money put in after that, not a cent put in after that, that's... That's not, not acceptable. And when you've got a manager like this who is loyal to a fault and not just to his players, but also to his superiors. And I know he's had the odd little small gripe here and there, but can you imagine Conte or Pep or Mourinho or any of the other great managers of the last 50, the last 30 years, other than Wenger, who would accept this penny pinching when you're getting to the final of the Champions League three times when you're consistently in the competition to the late rounds, challenging for league titles, milking in that TV money left, right and centre, growing the commercial value enormously because of the success that you have had at the club. And then to have these people not be willing to, to spend money when you need it.
4: Also hiding behind the oil money and so on that's in the game. Yeah, okay. It's if a you were weak coming excuse. just behind, if you were coming in just behind the oil money clubs, fair enough. We're nowhere near the oil money clubs. No, it. but
3: it's such a it's such a weak excuse as well because last season there is absolutely no argument that can be made that we didn't have a better team on the pitch than City. There's no argument. We had a we had a significantly better team, and I saw Tony's piece on. On the, on, on AnfieldIndex.com the other day where he basically said, you know, we shouldn't expect to beat Real Madrid. We played them in a European Cup final less than a year ago. We were the better team going into the game. We were the better team in the game, but we lost because our midfield let us down on the night and didn't punish Real, who were quite poor on the night. That didn't, that's not because they're Real Madrid. That is because Our owners haven't given Jürgen everything he needs. And sometimes a guy like him just needs to be told, Jürgen, shut up and listen for a second. And Michael Edwards used to do it. And when Jürgen wanted Julian Brand and Edwards said, no, shut up for a second and listen to me on Mo Salah. When Jürgen wanted Mario Götze and Edwards said, no, shut up for a sec and listen on Sadio Mane. Jürgen can be convinced of these things and can be talked around. And really and truly what should have happened over the last few years is people should have been saying to him, no, shut up. Listen, this is why this needs to change. This is why this player needs to go. This is why we need to recruit here. And he's always been one for collaboration. He talked about it in his opening press conference when he arrived about the collaboration that they had at Dortmund. And unfortunately, for some reason, it, it's we've punted on that with him, and we've allowed him to do things a certain way. When he's not going, he wouldn't have walked if they'd said, "No, we're not giving Henderson a new contract. In fact, we're going to sell him this summer." He wouldn't have. But this this again falls to these owners. They're they're very happy to not do anything because they know that in Jurgen they have a manager that will overperform, that could well get fourth this season in the way he got third a couple of seasons ago by some miracle because we were appalling and we're appalling again this season. But if we get top four, it will be because of Jürgen. It won't be because of FSG or anything they've done. And And They're they're very happy to just hide behind him. He'll cover for them. Yeah, this of
2: course is, he was. This is my point. Because he's loyal to a, to a fault. He's out there covering. He's out there <coughs> selling the party line. It's, 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 it is a difficult thing to witness. Dave, from you during the week, no doubt, uh, a
3: A oh, of stuff. The, the plethora of, of the usual stuff will be on.
2: Okay. Well, we will uh, be back for Wednesday night, but let's finish with Jim. Uh, what are your final thoughts then to wrap this up and again if you've something in the week let people know what's coming up
4: the worst thing about thinking about what's happening in the week is we've got another game and it's against Wolves. <laughs> but um, <laughs> sometime between now and, get, now and then we're going to try and do a scout of to Tommy's if we can um, you know let's talk about football a bit more but I mean yeah, it'd be just um, you know, be good to get Jay's take on it as well. I know he, he went to the Madrid game. Thankfully, I didn't. And you know, on the atmosphere and how you know how how it went so flat and you know the sort of <laughs> what 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 sort of attitude are people going to have going into this game on Wednesday? You know, the fans that, that are at the game and it feels like well, you know, as fans, we're always there for this team and we always do what we can for this team. But there's sometimes when you just think you know. It's getting to the point where we're all going to start getting tired. It's it's a pain in the arse, and it's so difficult for us to win things at the minute. Um, but yeah, hopefully, 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 there'll be um, a, a turnaround. Like you said, I mean, it, there's, there's definitely a possibility somewhere in the future if we really, really, really cross our fingers and hope for the best that, and that's how bad it is, that, you know, Mr. Alison Becker could head us into the Champions League next season or something. Because I think if we're going to get into the Champions League places, it's going to be leaving it late, hoping some slip-ups from other sides and that, because despite the dross of what we saw tonight, we're actually, if this league table's correct, and it may not be, I think we're six points off fourth, and the team in fourth have played one game more than us, so this league table can't be right, can it? But, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we can do it, but we can't do it if we play like tonight. We, we found some of our identity against Newcastle and against Everton. We, we had it for a bit against Real Madrid and then we threw it away. We showed signs of it for brief glimmering moments tonight, but didn't do it all the way through. And we kept going back to this other identity, this alter ego that we picked up where we just basically give all our fans heart attacks watching games. And we need to get back to the other. So that's, that's my final thoughts really on today's game is that. We're saying the same things again and again and again. You know, and as as, it, as it, when you you've sort of alluded to teachers, one teacher we had years ago when I was at school, um, when things were very different, of course. Um, if people weren't taking the message in, he'd give them a, a clip around the ear, hole and go cloth ears, and they'd sort of take things <laughs> in. Then, so maybe someone <laughs> needs to go around that squad and do that to them because nothing else has worked. <laughs> uh,
2: God be with the days. I wish I wish that was I wish that was in my armory, uh, but uh, no, I just have to rely on my um, my. my Uh, uncanny ability to apparently look scary I didn't realise that until uh, a young lad told me recently Uh, we will wrap it up there of course go and listen to Jay and Jim if you have any opportunity during the week Uh, listen to Dave on the daily I know I do and it keeps me uh, sane and uh, in touch with what's going on on a regular basis as well with the club because frankly, it's difficult, uh, to, uh, inform yourself otherwise. And I do appreciate the efforts of both of these chaps. I hope you're listening to them, um, uh, yourselves, uh, at home. Uh, I've been Trev Denny. That was Jim Borden and Dave Hendrick. This has been an 80 minute show, which means that we put in more effort. Than the Reds did today, and we'll be back for raw during the week. I think it's myself, Dave and Carl, and then we're back again for the next one against United, where it will be Harry and Dave and myself. So keep it listening here. keep it tuned to Anfield Index Pro, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go,